Today's the uh, second circle of our three circles. Uh, our first circle last week was God's design. This week it's brokenness. Next week it will be the gospel. But three circles is the how to explain the gospel. It's, it's, it's another tool. Uh, some of you are probably trained, I think, in this church on faith evangelism, F-A-I-T-H. It's a tool. Uh, on Sunday mornings, I've tried to use various gospel presentations at the end of the service. For uh, a long time, I used the Roman road, uh, all of sin, short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, in, uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and uh, all who call the name of the Lord will be saved. And that we've, we've used that. We've, I've used uh, ABC, admit, believe, choose, or, or confess, depending on uh, where you learned it. Uh, maybe you grew up with, um, uh, it was EE first, evangelism explosion, and you had the, the key question, right? Uh, if you died today, what do you understand? Or what would, when, if, if you died today and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would he say? You, or what would you say to him, rather? Uh, Christian witness training, CWT, kind of fell in line with that. We, we, we looked at a new one last year, Can We Talk, which used EE. These are all tools. Three uh, circles is just another tool, God's design, the brokenness, and the gospel. But the purpose and the point is all the same for all these tools, all these hows. It's how to explain to someone that they can get back to God's design. We can't get back to perfection, but we can get close. So this morning, I want to challenge you at the beginning of this service to pray for someone that you can talk to about Jesus. Maybe you have a specific name in mind, a face immediately jumps in your brain of who you need to talk to. Maybe you don't have someone. If you have someone, pray for that person. If you don't have someone, pray that the Lord will give you someone to share the gospel with. But this week's circle, the second circle in the three circles, is, a, is brokenness. And, and a, a place of, of brokenness is a location we're all too familiar with. We have all probably lived there longer than we would have liked. Hopefully some of us have moved out uh, from that address, but it seems like we just keep getting drawn back into that neighborhood uh, that's just life because our world is broken. And I don't think we have to look far to see that. But just some examples of the brokenness of our world. 40% of children live in single-parent homes. That's an example of brokenness. 500,000 children have been removed from homes due to abuse and neglect. Two-thirds of our, or one-third of our family is a result of that brokenness in the world. Twenty million people are in some kind of addiction. That's just the U.S., that 500,000. These are U.S. numbers, not, not world numbers. There are 3,000 violent crimes a day in our country. And then 55 million babies have been aborted since 1973 brokenness. We know what it is. We know what it looks like. 
We know how it rears its ugly head in our lives. We can, we can uh, point it out. We can put our finger on it. We, yep, I, I see it. I know it. It's there. But no matter how we try, we can't fix the brokenness. No matter how hard we work, schools teach values. I snicker, I know, but they, they try. Schools have always tried to teach values, and we still do. Some, you know, while maybe the, the, the upper echelon values aren't the greatest, uh, teachers, we know teachers who are believers, who some in this room right here, who go into school every day and they try to fix the brokenness in those kids that they come across as best they can. They try to teach them values. We attempt health care for everyone. We try to fix mental health issues and physical health issues. And we try to give everybody the opportunity possible to, to get those things fixed. We, we try behavior modifications in prison to reduce the recidivism rates so that people don't come back to prison. We've got all these plans and all these methods and all these ways. The, the self-help industry is a $10 billion a year industry. Uh, the most recent is probably the Enneagram. 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 And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're fine. But it's a way to understand myself better so I can fix myself so I can understand my relationships better. It's, we, we try to do this, but no matter how we try, we can't fix the brokenness. You can't put the egg back in the shell. You can't un unscramble eggs. Eggs get a bad rap in cliches, don't they? At least maybe you're a good egg. God has a design. God has a solution for our lives, but the sad reality is we choose brokenness and we have always been choosing brokenness look with me genesis chapter 3 we're going to read verses 1 through 19 now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the lord god had made he said to the woman did god really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden god said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die no, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you... Eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? It's like asking the kid with chocolate all over his face, did you eat the chocolate chip cookies? The man replied, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. 
So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman... I might have a bad connection. I will put uh, hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. We choose to depart from God's design, and we have done that from the very beginning. It has always been true. We, we see, we, we talked last week about what God created. God's design was perfect. It was good, and then he created humanity, and it was very good. There was no problem with what God did. And yet people, humans, we, chose to depart from God's design. And we see Adam and Eve thought they knew better than God. Verses 1 through 7 tell us about it. They, the serpent shows up. He's, he's cunning. Uh, we could spend a lot of time on, wait, did, did the serpent talk out, talk out loud? And was it the devil? And, and uh, is this, you know, did he have legs and now he doesn't? I'll say no on that one. Um, he didn't lose his legs as part of his curse. Uh, it, it, he, the serpent was, look, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. What did God just say about everything he had made? It was good. But the serpent, and we find out in Revelation that the serpent is Satan. He bookends it. The Bible is bookended by, the Satan, by Satan the serpent. We find out that he is cunning and, the, and Satan uses him, uses it. And he says to the woman, did God really say... And look how the devil twists it. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, automatically, that should get a no answer from Eve. Not no answer. Maybe she should have walked away. But that should get a no answer. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? No, that's not what he said. You're twisting God's words, which the father of lies does. You're twisting God's words. She says, we can eat from the trees in the garden. But notice how she, in verse 3, she begins to, she's twisting God's words. And, and it might not be malicious. Maybe she was forgetful, but I think in her perfect state, she probably has a pretty good memory. Maybe Adam didn't tell her right, but for whatever reason, she says, but about the tree, about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, why didn't she name the tree? Why didn't she say, but about the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Why wasn't she clear? Well, because Satan, had, the serpent, had rattled her. You can't eat from any tree, can you? Oh, no, it's just the tree in the middle of the garden. 
that we can't eat from? Well, she's, eh, not quite. God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Um, he didn't say don't touch it, though that's the beginning of, of temptation, right? That's the beginning of sin. Oh, it looks nice, I'll take it, but I'm not going to eat it. I mean, that'd be weird. I'm not going <laughs> to... You begin somewhere, but, but she still, I'm, I'm not going to condemn her for getting God's commands wrong, but notice, notice something else. Notice in verse 1 that it says, all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Your, your word Lord there is probably uh, all caps, small caps, cap, big capital L, small capital O-R-D. That's telling us that's the covenant name Yahweh. Yahweh Elohim, the covenant name of God, the, the worship name of God. The Lord God had made them. If you, if you skip down uh, past that into verse probably 8, yep, uh, the sound of the Lord God. And they hid from the Lord God. So the Lord God called out to the man. Uh, we keep going, verse 13. So the Lord God asked the woman. 14, so the Lord God. And all the way through, if he's mentioned, it's Lord God. Except when the serpent says, did God? We're kind of on a last name basis. I don't call him Yahweh God. I just call him God. We're close like that. Did God really say you can't eat at any of the tree? And Eve picks it up. No, God. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Well, what he said was we, they have taken away the covenant name. It's, it's subtle, but isn't that how the devil works? Subtlety. Little twist here. Little change there. A little alteration that, that we don't really notice, but we pick up on. Well, that's how temptation works. And Eve thought she knew better. Oh, sure, you're, he, he, Satan, the serpent says, you won't die. I don't know. He knows that. So she takes the fruit. It did look good. It was pleasing. And I could be smarter. And the serpent, he makes a point. Why, Why would God keep this from me if, if, he's, if it's going to make me like him? Doesn't he want me to be like him? That's possibly some of the rationalization that went on in her head. Why is God keeping this good thing from me? And she takes it, and she gives it to Adam. Their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and so they were embarrassed and ashamed, and they covered themselves. When God says, this is the design, and we depart from that, that's called sin. And maybe for most of us in here, that's a, oh, duh, Michael, could you move on, please? We got that. But remember, we're learning, we're thinking broadly about these three circles, God's design and brokenness. I'm telling you, believers who have been Christians for a long time, how you need to explain to someone else who may not understand their sinfulness. They can look at the world and see it's broken, but they miss often the part that they play in their, the brokenness in their own lives. Brokenness is not always the individual's fault. But sometimes, and let's just be generous and say 50-50, it is. And when we depart from God's design, that is sin, going our own way. And we all do it. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each 
has turned to his own way. I'll leave the ending of that verse for later. We all do it, all like sheep have gone astray. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many is all? All. Are you exempt? Okay, good. We're, we're good. We're, we're, we're tracking together here. And so when we, we choose to depart from God's design, then we find that departing from God's design always leads to brokenness. There is no time where I can say, God, I hear what you're saying. I get, I get what you're, yep, I understand. But let me explain to you why you're wrong, and I'm going to take this path instead. There's never a time that that's okay. There's a, never a time that, that you're right and God is wrong. Never, ever, 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 ever. So when we depart from God's design, it always leads to brokenness. How often is always? Always. Y'all are doing great this morning. I'm, I'm so proud. It always leads to brokenness. Then the man and, and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. It's, it's, it's clear that this was a common activity. That in the late afternoon, when the breeze was blowing through the garden, God would show up and say, Hey, Adam, Eve, let's go for a walk. Let's hang out. Let's talk for a while. How'd you like the bananas? The bananas were good. They're funny looking, but I'm glad you like them. Strawberry, seeds on the outside. Weird, isn't it? You know, everything else gets seeds, but this on the outside, you know, I don't know what they talked about. They'd just been created a little while ago. They had a lot of questions. And they just walked together, and they talked, and they spent time together. And God expected on this day, God knew the truth, but God showed up in the garden. Um, guys, we were supposed to meet. Um, I've got half past evening breeze. Um, we were going we to walk, and, we, and they couldn't couldn't show up. They couldn't be there. Why? They knew, and, and we know, when our communion is broken with God. We know when the relationship is wrong. It feels a lot like what Adam and Eve were going through here. Fee, uh, fear, guilt, shame, loneliness. We know when our life is broken, especially when we have caused the brokenness because those attributes are what are prominent in our lives. There's also a brokenness that we didn't cause, a type of brokenness that, that we didn't cause that creates those same feelings, fear, guilt, shame, loneliness, the result of a broken world. Uh, specifically as the discussions of sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault uh, continue to be uh, had, uh, especially in the Southern Baptist world and uh, seminaries and that sort of thing. That is a type of brokenness that was not brought on by the person assaulted. 
but it creates, sadly, the same fear, guilt, shame, and loneliness. Brokenness creates those things. Whether we cause the brokenness or the brokenness was perpetrated on us, we still have those same feelings. And those feelings lead us to try to hide from God. Verse 8. Man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hid from the Lord God. Now, let's not be too hard on Adam and Eve, because we're not logical either. But we don't know how long it's been since the creation. And Adam was the last one, or actually Eve was the last one that was created, but Adam was kind of in on that. Uh, he, she wasn't there, he went to sleep, she wo- he woke up, she was there. So he, he knew, wow, this is pretty cool. So he's got a good idea of, of the creative abilities of God. God has already walked with them, and I'm sure they've had some conversations. And so they decide, oh, what are we going to do? What are we? Oh, let's hide from God. It's not brilliant, okay? It's, it's kind, of the, kind of the three-year-old, you can't see me. Can't see, I, I can't see you, so you can't see me. And that's what he's doing. Well, maybe he, was, maybe he was only three years old. It's possible. But that is us trying to fix our brokenness. We try to hide it from God. We try to smooth it over. We, we, we kick it under the... I, nothing here, God. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's us. How stupid do we look? How... Fearful, guilty, shameful, and lonely do we look when we try to hide from God. Punishment's coming. Curses are coming. We know, uh, we, we, and that's, that's why we're fearful, right? That's why we're guilty, right? We know there are consequences coming, but God loves us. And in those consequences, in the, the curses that we're going to see, in every curse, except for the serpent, He didn't come out ahead in that. In every curse to the woman and to the man, there is a blessing. There is a promise. There is evidence of God's continuing grace, the continuing contract that he has with humanity. And we'll see that as we get to it. So we have these feelings. uh, It it, it always leads to brokenness. Departing from God's design always leads to brokenness. And that brokenness then disrupts God's design. It's an endless circle. See the point of the three circles now? Is that beginning to come clear to you? It is an endless circle. I'm going to depart from God's design. And that's going to cause brokenness. And that brokenness in my life, especially as I try to figure out how to fix it, that just creates more brokenness. That just disrupts God's design some more. And here we go, and we start all over again. Brokenness disrupts our spiritual life. Verses 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This will have very real, physical, uh, natural effects down the road. Most people still don't like snakes. But it is, this is a spiritual discussion. 
We have an enemy, and that enemy is that serpent, Satan. The, the, what Revelation makes clear, that the serpent of old, Satan, is going to attack the woman, try to kill the baby. I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's a disruption in our spiritual life. We were made for communion with God. God's design was for us to have a relationship with Him. But because of the curse, because of brokenness, because of a break in God's design, we no longer have that communion. We no longer have the spiritual life that God intended for us. But it doesn't stop there. We see a break in, a disruption in family life. Verse 16, he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband. And Well, let's back up there, just the first half. You will bear children with painful, uh, uh, what does it say? With uh, painful effort. Can I get any amens on that? Man, that was rough on me. Okay, no it wasn't. But we all know that childbirth ain't easy. It's, it's, it's just not, now, she was going to have babies anyway, okay? That was part of creation, that she, Eve, would be the mother of the human race. But now, her role, one of her purposes, is distorted by the fact that she will have pain in childbirth. And, and, and very few, and I, won't, I don't know every woman who's ever given birth, but very few women that I'm aware of have ever said, I had one, and it hurt bad, so I'm not having any more. Mostly, I'm sure there are people out there like that. I don't, I'm, I'm making a very broad generalization, I know that. But most ladies that I'm aware of said, I had one, and it hurt like the dickens, and when are we going to have another one? And maybe two or three or four, some of y'all, some of seven, eight, nine. I know my grandparents had all kinds of brothers and sisters. It took what God had made for the family to, to create the family, and it made it <laughs> difficult. But it didn't just stop at birth, does it? The pain of childbearing does not end once that baby is born. The pain of childbearing continues day after day, Year after year, we hurt for our kids. We worry for our kids. Every little thing that comes across the internet, the television, where let's can't stop. No, no. Oh my gosh, did they know this? Have they heard of this before? I wonder if they. And the answer is yes. And and then and then there's there's their fights. Babies become toddlers. Toddlers become preschoolers. Preschoolers become elementary kids, and, and, and elementary kids become middle school age, and middle school age become teenagers, and then they go off to college, we hope, and then they, then they become adults, and they're making adult decisions, and how many of you think all of your children have always made excellent adult decisions? Put your hands down. And then, and then and I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but I, I know the worry. There is pain in childbearing, I'm guessing, 
forever till I die. I will hurt for my kids, and Edda will hurt for our kids. Far beyond the birth. Brokenness. We want to protect them and we can't. Brokenness disrupts our married life. The other half of verse 16. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. This is referencing God's plan for how the home should be set up. Adam was to be the leader in the home. It was always to be that way. The husband is to lead the home. But at this point, God's design has been disrupted. And the curse is that the wife will want to be the leader in the home. That's what desire means here. Because we flip a couple of pages over. Um, God says to Cain, uh, be careful you're de- that you uh, don't desire sin because it will become your master. Let me see if I'm right on that. I've got to find it. Um, well, I'm quoting it wrong. Ah, here we go. Verse uh, 7. If you do, chapter 4, verse 7. If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at the the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Sin's desire is to control you, Cain, but you have to be the master over it. If we take that back to chapter 3, the curse is the wife, her desire, Eve's desire, will be to control her husband. But God says, that is not the way I set it up. That is not the way I set the family up. His job is to lead the family. And so, do we have conflict? The correct answer is yes. So brokenness has disrupted our spiritual life, our family life, now our married life. It disrupts our work life. Verses 17 through the first part of 19. Now the, God's talking to the manning and cursing him. He says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. See, God clears up what the command was wasn't don't touch it, wasn't uh, the, the tree in the middle of the garden. It was that specific tree. I said, don't eat it, but because you did, the ground is cursed for you. You'll eat by means of painful labor all the days of your life. God says, I created the garden so that you went around and you just kind of snipped a leaf and snipped a leaf and ooh, picked an eight, and that's how you... Nice, cool breeze. You didn't have to cut the grass. No briars and thistles. You didn't have to plow. You just tended the garden. That was the plan. But now, it's all going to fight back. Entropy is the, the, the result now. If things can go wrong, they will in your work life. You will work hard, and you will fail often in your ability to work. It becomes toil to work the earth. It becomes full of effort and not very rewarding. I didn't grow up, obviously, during the Depression. And my family was in central Mississippi, so even during the Dust Bowl years, 
they, didn't, they weren't affected the way everybody else was during the Depression. And, and that was probably similar down here just because of our climate. But the panhandle of Texas, west Oklahoma, eastern Colorado, those areas, they would work and work and work and work to see what few little things that had grown should be blown away. I mean, if you want a picture of toiling to the work of the earth, but it fights back, go dig up some pictures online from the Dust Bowl era and what they had to deal with. Brokenness caused that. And then ultimately, brokenness disrupts our physical life. How many of you this morning woke up with aches and pains? That's brokenness. That's a departure from God's design. But it's not just the aches and pains. It's not just, oh, I don't feel good today. It's, oh, creak, pop, crack. Rice Krispies when you get out of bed and you hadn't even had breakfast yet. We die. And as God puts it here, creation is reversed. Verse 19, you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. You will beat yourself up working to eat until you go back to the dirt. You're going to fight the dirt all your life. And then you know what's going to happen when you die? Dirt wins. Because you're made of dirt. You are dirt. You are supposed to live in harmony with dirt. But now, because of brokenness, you're just going to become dirt. Since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. And now creation is reversed. Because didn't we read that God, to form man, took the dust of the earth? And the brokenness, the sin, the departure from God's design has now reversed that creative act. And God says, from now on, you're going to die. And the dust that I made you from, the dust that I... Blew my breath into to give you life, you're going to give that back to me and your body back to the ground because brokenness disrupts God's design. And as bad as brokenness is, brokenness also helps us see our need for change. Right now, our suburban makes a kind of a whistling noise when the motor's running. I think, think, it's the uh, tensioner pulley that keeps the, the belt tight. The belt's in pretty good shape, so it shouldn't be that. It's probably that tensioner pulley. They go out 150,000 miles in the Suburban. So I've got to get that. That... It's supposed to tell me I need to change something. It's annoying. And, and, and one of the things I, I, I just personally cannot stand is for my vehicle to make odd noises, especially odd noises from the outside. I, I've got a car full of kids. There are odd noises all the time on the inside. But on the outside, I prefer not to have those things. Uh, for nearly a year and a half, uh, I had uh, ball joints on my pickup that were going bad. And every time I made a turn uh, or turned the wheel, I mean, I could I literally hit the brake. It would rock and go. 
evangelist. I hate that. Those noises, those, those broken things are supposed to scream at us, change, change, change. That is what brokenness does in our life. When something is broken in our life, when we have departed from God's design and that brokenness shows up, that should scream to us, change, change, change. The problem is we try to fix it. Let's go back to verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I think we can all answer this pretty easily, but I'll ask it anyway. Are leaves going to be the best idea for clothing? They tend to wilt, right? Get a little crispy, kind of crumble. They're not going to serve the purpose long. That is a beautiful example of our attempts to fix our brokenness. They don't work. We cannot cover our own sin. We, we use temporary, not even band-aids. That doesn't even quite cover it. And am I wrong in thinking olive leaves are like this big? I've never been as up close to an olive tree as maybe I should. Some of y'all have been to the Holy Land. I wish Judy Bredehoff were here. I didn't go that close. Yeah, I didn't go that close to it, though. I just saw them from a distance. So, so I mean, yeah, you're going to be, it's just, it's, it, it's comical. But y'all, these are the same people that tried to hide from God. Y'all, we are the same people that try to hide from God when we sin and we try to, to sweep it under that rug. And no, it's not there. Big old lump in the rug. No, you trip over. Oh, I, no, I don't know what that was. I just, I'm clumsy. Uh, you know, we, we try to do these things to cover our own sin and it does not work. We recognize the need, right? We, we know it's a mess. We know it's broken. And, and so we... we by our attempt to fix it, we are admitting there's something wrong. Why don't we do the things that will actually fix it? Fixes like relationships and drugs and alcohol and self-help, they don't work. Every one of those things has the potential or the guarantee to just cause more brokenness. Years ago, we had a, a Honda Civic that... Uh, the tensioner pulley went out. It's not a common thing to go out on vehicles, that little tensioner pulley. It's about that big around. It's usually pretty close to the front. E fairly easy to get to. Honda Civic, it went out. I can do this. I do some repairs on the car. It's basic things. That's a pretty basic thing, except when you try to use, I don't know exactly what I did. I think I tried to use a standard socket on a metric bolt, and I made not a bolt anymore. I made a screw. Sheared that sucker off. Well, that car went to the shop, and I paid a lot more than I would have had to if I'd taken it without the... Anyway, it, 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 that was my fix, though. That's, that's what happens in our lives. We, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this bolt, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. No, I'm, now I have a worse problem than I had when I started. That's what our fixes do. And, and, and y'all, we, 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 we want to get rid of the brokenness. But brokenness is good. Even though it's bad, brokenness is good when God uses it to get our attention. You, 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 the brokenness might be your fault. 
The brokenness might be somebody else's fault. But on either side, the brokenness is something God can use to get your attention and to bring him back to you. Because it's when we are most broken, when we are in our deepest pit, when we, are, when we have truly reached rock bottom and we can't go any deeper, that we finally look up and see God has a solution. God made a way out of our brokenness, and that is the gospel. See, we've talked about God's design, that first circle that you're going to see. It was perfect. It was wonderful. It was great. And he still, God still has a design. It wasn't that when Adam and Eve sinned, God took his notes and went, well, that's done now. All right, yon, yon. No, God still has a design. He, he looked at his notes after Adam and Eve sinned, and he said, yep, knew that was going to happen. Lucky thing, I i got plans after this. And, and we still got the design, and he's still trying to get our attention some thousands, ten thousands, whatever years later. He's still, I've got the plan, I've got the design. Guys, are you looking? Are you listening? He's got the design for our, our families, our marriages, our money, our, our sex life, our work life, our, our just plain life. God has the design for it. Ultimately, God designed us to be in a relationship with him. But we have all departed from that design. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. I love it when Bible verses rhyme. It makes it much easier to remember. The Bible calls that departing, as we've already said, sin. And we're born with a sinful nature. So sin comes naturally to us. We sin. That's what we do. We have that nature all the way back to the tree of the knowledge, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Nobody gets it right all the time. Most of us get it wrong most of the time. We all sin and fall short of God's perfect design, and that sin leaves us in brokenness. And it's easy to feel like there's no escape from that circle. That, that that marker mark there is a wall that is unleapable, uh, 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 unpenetrable, impenetrable. You can't get through it. We're just, and, and, and we try, though, right? The squiggly lines. We, we try. that We've got our fixes. We've got our ways. And it, 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 that brokenness is, is, is simple for us to understand. It feels like broken relationships and addiction and depression and discouragement and <laughs> And guilt and shame and we medicate it with drugs and we numb it with alcohol. We strive to be better people. We hope that somehow, some way, our good will outweigh the bad. Our good will outweigh the bad. And then he'll let us in, right? Everything will be fine and, and dandy. And we look for ways to alleviate our pain and heal that brokenness and it's just band-aids, and, and, and when we do that, we just get more and more broken. And that feels like a bad thing. It feels like we've made a bad thing worse. But in many ways, that brokenness, that rock bottom, is a good thing because it's how God gets our attention. We feel broken on the inside, and everything's all messed up. We know something needs to change, and we finally come to the realization, we admit that we cannot do it on our own. 
And God's solution that we finally, hopefully turn to is to repent and believe the gospel. And the Bible word for change is to repent. So if you want to change your life, repent. If you want to fix the brokenness, repent. The change that we really need comes from Jesus. God sent Jesus, his perfect son, to live a perfect life and die a perfect death that that we deserved. To be raised to life again, proving that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he came to do. So we have to believe that. We have to believe that Jesus came to forgive our sins. And when we repent and believe in him, we get his spirit. His Holy Spirit comes into us, marks us, seals us, lives within us, and helps us recover and pursue God's design. And we begin to live a life more like what God has called us to. But then, it's not over yet, we've got the fix, right? We've got the cure. Jesus sends us right back out into a broken world to tell others how to find their way out of brokenness. The three circles. That's a loop we want to be on. Repentance, belief, share that message with other people. Get out into the world of the broken. Share that brokenness. Tell them about, the, the bear their burdens. Tell them about the fix. They come to Christ and they too experience salvation through the gospel. Today, you might need to find your brokenness. It's painful. It's embarrassing. It's dangerous. It's destructive. Whether you caused the brokenness or someone else caused the brokenness, we still struggle Stop trying to cover it or fix it. You are not too broken for God. If you remember nothing else I say this morning, you are not too broken for God. All the king's horses and all the king's men, one day they'll come down from heaven and and put our world together again. And I didn't make that up. I owe that to Petra. A rock group from the 70s and 80s, a Christian rock group. It's a great song. But we think we're so broken that not even God can fix it. But that is not true. He can fix it. So stop trying to cover it or fix it. Will you choose to take God's way out today? His gospel, Jesus. That's if you've not believed. Believer... Let me ask you a very pointed question. How long will you let others, friends, family, loved ones, strangers, how long will you let them live in their brokenness without offering the fix, not just a fix? It's our responsibility to go out into that broken world. Don't leave here this morning trapped in brokenness or indifferent to someone else's brokenness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the healing of the brokenness that we can experience. God, thank you that even in our willful disobedience, 
our pleasure and often joy in our own brokenness, certainly in our own departure from your design, you still pursue us. God, may we, as individuals, maybe who haven't trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, may we personally find that fix, the true fix, the only fix for brokenness this morning. Lord, as believers, may we be excited about the opportunity to share the fix to a broken world who is, that is hopeless, that believes that no one loves them, nothing can fix their issue. May we be bold to share that faith that we have in the one God and his precious son who can fix all the brokenness. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. So what is your decision today? How do you need to respond? Do you need to come out of your brokenness? Do you need to accept Christ? Jordan will be down here on my right. I'll be down here to the left. You can talk to us about that. Maybe you have some brokenness that you're just now beginning to get through and you just want to come and make an altar of this stage. Use the prayer rails. You'd like one of us to pray with you. Maybe you need, as a believer, to say, Lord, I'm going to share the fix for brokenness in this broken world. Whatever your decision is today, let's take some time to hear from the Lord. Contemplate that. Think on that. Hear what he has to say with us as we stand, as we sing, and do business with him today. Mm -hmm.